Welcome to The Runway, where we cover current events in crypto, Web3, and tech. It's Tuesday, February 6th. Let's take off. First up, Solana Network suffers major outage. Sol slips 2%. Solana suffered a major outage on Tuesday. The network system status page shows. Solana mainnet beta is experiencing a performance degradation. Block progression is currently halted. Core engineers and validators are actively investigating, said Lane, a Solana validator in an X post. The halt comes nearly a year after the Solana network went down for almost two days in April 2023. Kind of crazy that a decentralized blockchain can grind to a halt and stop. My take on this matter is that every blockchain has its trade-offs, right? So with, with what Solana has for speed and throughput and transactions and TPS, they give up in decentralization. The fact that a blockchain can actually stop and blocks can can grind to a halt and they're actually able to get you know the the small number of validators right because it's incredibly costly to run a validator node for Solana because it, you have to you have such high storage costs to be able to store all of the data that allows so many transactions to go into each block and so much data to occur in each block the blockchain is extremely centralized on that front and i think that it's important to to notice and to look at the differences between all these different blockchains, right? Where Solana might serve a purpose for TPS and, and having low fees, you are giving up a trade-off there that other blockchains like Bitcoin that have been running for you know, 10 to 15 years without stopping at all and just continue to produce a new block every 10 minutes. They don't make those trade-offs for decentralization, but they do make those trade-offs for scalability on the base layer, right? And we all know that, um, or if you don't know, we have stuff like Lightning Network as a second layer that you can push the TPS without sacrificing the decentralization on the base layer. But each blockchain can serve a different purpose and be useful for different things. And I just wanted to sort of point that out to you guys so you could take a look at the differences and compare. Next up, let's talk about another blockchain. Hedera secures $250 million deal with Saudi Ministry of Investment for Web3 and Deep Tech Development. The partnership is set to promote the adoption of advanced technologies among Saudi Arabia's fintech entrepreneurs and startups. Saudi Arabia is doing a lot on this front. They are really trying to attract a lot of attention, developer talent, and a lot of crypto projects and Web3 projects to their shores. It's really nice to, to see this develop, and it kind of stands in contrast with what's happening here in America where countries are sort of trying to attract talent and technology and investment and entrepreneurs and startups while our country here is sort of pushing them away with the policies of this current administration and cabinet and swamp agencies. Let's move on. This story was kind of crazy. AI-generated fake IDs claimed to pass crypto exchange KYC are selling for $15. Online fake ID service OnlyFake is touting AI-generated fake IDs for as little as $15. It looks like that Cointelegraph, this article here, um, a lot of exchanges might require KYC and a lot of exchanges don't take US clients because of all the uncertainty here. So people are sort of forced to try to find ways to be able to use these exchanges. And it looks like this startup here, this AI ML, this sort of sort of generating fake documents, whether it be passport or whatever. This is already occurs without AI, but this is just another way that we have to monitor this new technology and we have to develop counteracting technologies that can prevent these types of things, right? I found this interesting too, because it's not just cryptocurrency exchanges that this stuff could pass. It's just, you know, bank accounts, all sorts of things, right? So uh, although they did uh, single out a certain crypto exchange here, this is also something that it could be useful almost and anywhere you need to sort of have identity documents and to pass certain things, right? Here's a fake Australian passport using the details of former U.S. President Donald Trump. <laughs> kind of funny. 
In late 2022, blockchain security firm Certic uncovered an online black market of individuals selling their identities for as little as $8, agreeing to act as the verified face of fraudulent crypto projects and open bank and exchange accounts on behalf of malicious actors. It looks like Binance Chief Security Officer Jimmy Su told Cointelegraph in May 2023 that there was a rise in scammers attempting to dupe exchange KYC checks using deep fakes and warned the videos would soon be convincing enough to trick human operators. So this is a, you know, something that's been going on for a while. They've known about this. And, you know, as technology gets better, there will be this tug and pull of technological breakthroughs and then also ways to exploit that and then ways to defend against the exploitation. It's just part of the process here. Next up, MetaMask deal with Robinhood broadens crypto access. On-ramps like the one used in this partnership are a key piece of infrastructure serving as a bridge between traditional banking rails and blockchain-based crypto economy. So there's nothing really new here. Uh, I think it's interesting the more MetaMask connects with, you know, set of Web2 products and Web1 products. You know, we saw Visa directly being able to connect with MetaMask last week. And I think this is just a continuation of that integration adoption that's just going to continue to occur despite what we see here in the U.S. globally. We are going to continue to see this massive sort of adoption and integration. And I think in the future, we will, the U.S. will come around and make better policy decisions on this front. There's just too much talent, too much money, and too much pro-tech culture here to lose this next wave of innovation battles. Let's move on to our next story. Bitcoin ETFs lead to record miner reserve BTC outflows. A report from Bitfinex suggests that miners are either selling Bitcoin holdings or leveraging coins to raise capital. The launch of Bitcoin exchange-traded funds in the United States has directly influenced miners' BTC reserves, with more than $1 billion of BTC flowing from minor wallets to exchanges in the first 48 hours of trading. So I think as we see more demand here for these ETF products, you know, miners particularly are going to fill that demand, right? They're providing a service, a service of providing this decentralization and this security to these different to, to the Bitcoin blockchain. And we're going to see that they're rewarded for that and they have to pay costs. They'll have to sell Bitcoin to pay electricity, to pay customers, to pay brokers, to employees, to pay technicians, to pay electrical companies, to contractors, and just the list goes on and on, right? That's just healthy for the network. And it's what we like to see. We don't want to see these entities just accumulating tons and tons of and tons and not redistributing those opportunities to the rest of society to accumulate and hold. Next up, crypto mining company loses bid to force BC Hydro to provide power. BCCS cryptocurrency mining consumes massive amounts of electricity by running high-powered computers around the clock. A cryptocurrency firm has lost a bid to force BC Hydro to provide the vast amounts of power needed for its operations in a court ruling that upholds the provincial government's right to pause power connections for new crypto miners. Conifex Timber Inc., a forestry firm that branched out into cryptocurrency mining, had gone to the BC, the British Columbia Supreme Court, to have the policy declared invalid. Uh, looks like the government here in Canada does not want more miners. Uh, let's look at Conifix's response here. They said, in a statement released Monday, the company said it's disappointed with the court's ruling and is considering an appeal. Conifex continues to believe that the provincial government is missing out on several opportunities available to it to improve energy affordability, accelerate technological innovation, strengthen the reliability and resiliency of the power distribution grid in British Columbia, and achieve more inclusive economic growth, the statement said. I tend to agree here with Conifex, this the crypto miner, as we've seen, and as the data shows, you know, there's massive incentives for miners uh, to working with grids to be able to manage the baseload, to be able to increase the baseload, to be able to shut down when curtailments required and redistribute that power if they if the grid needs it. And, you know, and they're a perfect partner to work with grids. So I think that this BC Hydro is still, and again, this is hydro power, right? So this is green, green energy, right? Um, it, you know, if we need, if this energy is being consumed, then we have a higher base load and they can build more hydro facilities, right? We can incentivize faster and better and more efficient green energy production, right? So uh, definitely a missed opportunity here by BC Hydro. This is an unfortunate ruling. 
and I'm interested to see how it all plays out. GoDaddy Partners ENS, allowing users to link domain names to crypto wallets. Super cool. GoDaddy Partners DNS to simplify linking of domain names, crypto wallets. The collaboration seeks to uh, seeks to bridge the gap between DNS and blockchain technology. GoDaddy and Ethereum Name Services Partnership allows for gas-free linking of domain names to wallets. Uh, here's the tweet by GoDaddy. Uh, GoDaddy announces partnership with Ethereum Name Service to offer customers an effortless way to connect their domain to their ENS-compatible crypto wallet. Crypto payments have been easier to achieve, have never been easier to receive. Read all about it. Uh, seamlessly connect your GoDaddy domain to ENS. So cost-free linking of domain names to crypto wallets. So I've been playing around with a new tool here um, called Perplexity. It's a little extension here tool at the top. It sort of competes with, with typically just going to a search browser and asking a question where it shows you links. It's like an AI integrated browser with large language models. And it sort of will give you the answer to the question. Instead of just spitting out a bunch of articles, it will actually do the research for you and present the answer. They're basically trying to compete with Google search in a way. But they also have this little tool here that you can use to summarize pages and summarize content. Basically, you ask it a question, you just click the little button up there and you can say summarize and you can press this page um, and then it will spit back out feedback on that front. So it's kind of like connecting web two and web three here. So this is kind of what the browser looks like here. Um, it has this feature with Copilot, which you can turn on to help answer more advanced questions and stuff like that. You can attach information, text, PDFs. So I could, I could say, can you please summarize this article with three short bullet points? and then give me a paragraph explanation of the implications. And let's see what it'll do here. So it'll understand the question, it'll go to the source, it'll read, it'll say, okay, here's the answer, it gives me my three bullet points. GoDaddy has partnered with Ethereum name service to enable users to link their domain names, cryptocurrency wallets easily. This partnership aims to bridge the traditional domain name system with blockchain technology, facilitating a more user-friendly experience. The service provided by GoDaddy and ENS will allow for gas-free linking of domain names, crypto wallets, removing the need for technical expertise from the user side. And then talks about this partnership and says, you know, it's a significant step towards integrating the traditional internet infrastructure with the burgeoning blockchain ecosystem. Kind of what we talked about before, but this is basically what I saw when I pressed this little extension up here in the right corner. And it just sort of gave me that in a little in a little mini window, kind of helping my workflow, give me direct answers here, it can save time with, when you want to quickly summarize content. I believe it is actually using either GPT-4. I know you can switch around the different models that it can use. It has access to Gemini. I have the paid pro version, but there's a free version that gives you a number of times you can use Copilot or update things. Um, the paid one, it gives you much more and it gives you access to sort of change the different language model you're using. Just want to kind of show you guys that cool tool. All right, let's move on. Coinbase readies war chest for US 2024 elections. Coinbase global and its chief executive officer, Brian Armstrong, are preparing a war chest to back crypto-friendly politicians in wa as Washington gears up for the 2024 elections. Armstrong and Coinbase account for about a third of the 85 million raised so far by the Fair Shake Super PAC. Coinbase says the political action group plans to spend big to amplify crypto superpower of grassroots support at a time when the industry faces growing regulatory pressures from the US Securities and Exchange Commission and other agencies. I think this is a good, I think it's needed. A lot of, you know, lies and FUD coming out of the current administration and all of these different sort of swamp agencies that are exceeding their power trying to make legislation and make decisions on things that they don't really have congressional authority to do, in my opinion. So it's good to see some backing here. And it's good to see that, you know, the, the companies that are some of the best examples of the benefits of our industry, putting their profits and, and stuff on the line to advocate for the industry. Let's move on. So here's a perfect example of what we're fighting against here, which is, you know, Operation Choke Point 2.0. First US bank to let customers keep cryptocurrency and checking account exits crypto. The first US bank to offer cryptocurrency trading alongside traditional 
checking, Vast Bank has shuttered its mobile app and exited crypto. In case any of you are wondering if this was a decision they just made without willy-nilly, uh, you'll soon find out that that is not the case. Vast Bank made the strategic decision to shutter its mobile crypto app and exit the scene after receiving an OCC consent order in October 2023. Uh, so, you know, what we're seeing here, this is a perfect example of, you know, this sort of choke point 2.0 behind the scenes sort of attacking that's occurring. The guy who runs the OCC, I'm pretty sure he is back from the previous administration, the Obama administration, and now he's back in power. Uh, he was doing similar things to this with gun companies and marijuana companies and, you know, porn companies. And just, just companies that he just didn't decided he didn't like uh, for whatever reason that they, they just didn't like, even though they are illegal companies, payday lenders, for example, uh, they just didn't like them. So they put silent, unconstitutional pressure on these entities behind the scenes to stop servicing these types of clients and to stop you know servicing industries, right? Um, and this actually went to the courts and the courts uh, told the government to cease and desist. This is unconstitutional. Um, it doesn't seem like this guy got the memo. And of course, um, it doesn't seem like there's going to be much accountability here. They just can kind of run wild behind the scenes and do unconstitutional things. Disgusting to see. Let's move on. Inside OpenAI's plan to make AI more democratic. One afternoon in early May 2023, Colin Megill nestled into a chair in a plant-filled meeting space at OpenAI's San Francisco headquarters. He was surrounded by seven staff from the world's leading artificial intelligence lab, which had launched ChatGPT a few months earlier. One of them was Waj Shiachek Zaremba, an OpenAI co-founder. He wanted McGill's help. For over a decade, McGill had been toiling in relative obscurity as the co-founder of Polis, a nonprofit open source tech platform for carrying out public deliberations. Democracy, in McGill's view, had barely evolved in hundreds of years, even as the world around it had transformed unrecognizably. Each voter has a multitude of beliefs they must distill down into a single signal, one vote every few years. The heterogeneity of every individual gets lost and distorted, with the result that democratic systems often barely reflect the will of the people and tend towards polarization. Polis launched in 2022 was McGill's solution. So let's pull up perplexity here, which I just showed you. And let's say, what is Polis? And what do they do? Pol.is is a company that provides a digital public engagement platform designed to gather feedback from large groups of people on a particular topic. It uses advanced statistics, machine learning, and data visualization to help large groups communicate effectively about certain topics online. The platform is particularly useful for open policymaking, allowing individuals to share perspectives and experiences in tweet-length statements. It is capable of finding patterns in the feedback and visualizing the results, which can be particularly useful for governments, market researchers, and other organizations looking to understand a wide range of opinions opinions and facilitate discussions that can scale to thousands of people. Poll.is has been used in various countries, including Taiwan, where it served as a consultative mechanism for vTaiwan, and in Canada, where it was adapted as a digital engagement tool to fit government requirements. The company was initially based in Seattle, but has worked closely with government teams in different countries to adapt its platform for their specific needs. The platform is designed to avoid common problems associated with large-scale online discussions, such as trolling in echo chambers, by not allowing direct replies to comments, and by using upvotes and downvotes to generate a map of opinions, clustering together people with similar views. Please note that there are companies with the acronym POL, such as a provider of crude oil and natural gas explanation and transportation services based in Pakistan and not Polish.com Inc., an online retailer. However, these are different entities and not related to Poll.is engagement platform. Seems like an interesting tool. Very skeptical here. We, we've sort of already seen what uh, open AI is doing to make things more democratic. It seems almost like a tyranny of the majority in a lot of, in a lot of ways. But you know, this could be an interesting tool, I guess. But I'd be I'd be very skeptical here. I've seen connections to this company to the effective altruism thing. It's a little suspect, right? A little suspect. But 
could be an interesting tool. Um, one thing I read that seemed interesting about this is that it can allow people that might have different views to sort of find an area where they might agree on something, right? To, to find a common ground, right? Which I think we've been lacking a lot. But what we just read here on Perplexity, it basically said that it's clustering together people with similar views. It says it's designed to avoid common problems associated with large-scale online discussions, such as trolling and echo chambers. But then it, here it says that they cluster together people with similar views, which is that's kind of what creates these echo chambers, right? With Facebook and social media and all these different social media companies, they sort of force you into these echo chambers, these sort of buckets. So I am skeptical, but it is an interesting rabbit hole to go down. And here's a little bit of information about how Taiwan uses it to crowdsource its laws, right? So I, I feel like you know, when you're looking at laws and, and things like that, you can sort of get a crowdsource opinion on what people think. And that is definitely interesting, an interesting tool. Deep fake scammer walks off with 25 million in first of its kind AI heist. Hong Kong firm tricked by simulation of multiple real people in video chat, including voices. On Sunday, a report from the South China Morning Post revealed a significant financial loss suffered by a multinational company's Hong Kong office. So what basically happened here is that they made a deep fake video of, you know, an executive at this company, sent it to an employee and had that employee like transfer money or something somewhere. This is going to continue. We're going to see more and more of this as time goes on. So we need to be able to have tools at our disposal to sort of verify, you know, authenticity of things. Just because you hear someone's voice, it might not necessarily be them anymore, right? What is uniquely positioned to sort of do something like this? Let me present a, solu a potential solution here. Score adopts blockchain certification with WizTrust. So this idea of using a blockchain to sort of verify um, authenticity, right? With a with using cryptography with a public private key, right? How do you know if it's really this person who made this video? Well, we know that this entity, if it's really them, they will sign this with a on a blockchain with a private key, right? So here's an example of a certification. Score adopts blockchain certi certification with WizTrust to secure the information it publishes on its websites and distributes, particularly to the media, analysts, and investors. Score is now using the WizTrust blockchain certification platform. Certification via WizTrust helps to safeguard against the growing problem of corporate and financial fake news by giving each published document a unique fingerprint in the blockchain. This means that, if in doubt, recipients can verify the authenticity of documents they receive with a simple drag and drop on WizTrust.com. Right, so sort of using this private key cryptography, uh, signing something, signing this digital fingerprint, with proving with your private key that hey, I, this is me that posted this or this is me that sent this, I think is going to become uh, important in the future, and we're going to see a lot a need for this arise as sort of these deep fakes and things proliferate. Next up, Jua raises 16 million to build a foundational AI model for the natural world, starting with the weather. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about a very small model that actually outperformed all this meteorological government satellite data and you know observatories they had. This simple small model, this AI model, was much better at predicting the future weather than you know hundreds of millions of infrastructure that had been developed, right? And this thing was could run on a basically run on a phone. Um, now, I think if we get a AI model that's been trained with a lot more data and is a lot larger, it, it could be even better <clears throat> than what we've seen. And I think that you know stuff like this, you know is good, right? This is the benefits of AI. These are the things that can make the world a better place. These are the things that can prevent 50,000 people from getting hit with a tsunami at the last minute and dying, or a massive hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico, or an earthquake that kills 8,000 people in Turkey, right? So these are the predictive benefits of AI that can save many, 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 many lives. Next up, Roblox breaks language barriers with AI-based real-time chat translation. So this is huge. 
a lot of people play games from all over the world. We see tons of people playing together from, from different cultures, from different areas of the world. And this idea of, a, of an AI doing real-time translation, right? You're speaking in your language and someone's speaking in another language and it's translating that for you. It enables the world to work together more efficiently. It enables collaboration and it takes down barriers between people and cultures. So I think this is one of the most powerful aspects of, of AI, of how it can contribute to humanity. Um, seeing this already happen in games that people all over the world play, like Roblox, is a really cool thing. I like to see more of this. You know, we talked about the downsides of, of AI and what, what the negatives could be, but let's also talk about all of the positives, right? And probably the coolest thing that I saw today was this Vesuvius Challenge 2023. Essentially what this is, about 2,000 years ago, when Mount Vesuvius blew and flooded the town with lava, this volcanic eruption, it sort of buried this ancient library of papyrus scrolls known as the Herculaneum papyri. I believe this is in Pompeii. And you can sort of see here in this video how this library got filled up with all the scrolls and how very quickly froze this papyri. And we were able to recover a lot of these carbonized scrolls here about 200 and 300 years ago. And they've had these scrolls, but if they open them up, then they'll just crumble and they'll never be able to read the contents, right? So th this is an example of, you know, people 300 years ago saving these scrolls for the future to say, hey, maybe one day they'll be able to read these and they'll figure out a way to open them without destroying them. But the technology doesn't exist now. So they did this, this sort of this competition to see who could figure out a way to read the scrolls, right? Using AI, machine learning, 3D technology to almost create this digital image of this scroll and scan it and analyze it um, and then be able to use computers and AI and machine learning to, to unwrap this thing and to actually read it. So we finally got to the point where we are able to sort of do this. And, you know, it's fascinating to see what people were talking about 2000 years ago. They've, they've actually been able to discover some of this information. They've been able to read a little bit. And here's a team of, of, of the kids that work together from different places all over the world. And they are the winning team. They, they were able to decipher the most out of any group that participated. There were some other runner-up groups that also deciphered a decent amount. It also won some prizes, and they were able to figure out, hey, what are, what are they talking about? Um, what was what was being discussed here in the scrolls? And they got a little bit of context to this guy, uh, Epicurus, and the philosopher and poet uh, Philodemus. It kind of talks about life, like kind of like what they were talking about, what they valued in society, some philosophical texts here. Epicureanism says hi with a text full of music, food, senses, and pleasure. I thought this was really interesting. They talked about how the, some of the machine learning they did here some of the modeling that they did. Here's a kind of how the unrolling works. This is a really cool little clip here. And then here you can kind of see how they then, then sort of extracted it from the digital image. And they were able to sort of pull the text up and sort of unwrap it and really sort of read the ink through the, the 3D modeling. It's just absolutely fascinating what they did here. Kind of see how they were able to make out words doing it this way. Super cool stuff, super, super cool stuff. Let's move on to some Twitter takes. Front page WSJ today. The narrative has changed. Get ready. Financial giants race to lure investors into cryptocurrencies. Here is an interesting post from Cointelegraph. Bitcoin price hovers around 43,000 as Chinese stocks are halted due to volatility, marking a wild start to the week. What price moves can we expect? Bitcoin cycle has pre-halving cycle. ETFs gain traction worldwide. BlackRock and Fidelity own 75% of newly amassed Bitcoin. Total Bitcoin supply and ETF surpasses 3%. The volume race isn't even close today. GPTC trouncing peers by over 100 million. Another day with aggregate dollar volume is below 1 billion though. Next up, is Coinbase going to win against the SEC? So let's play this little clip for you guys. The SEC said that their business 
approved by the SEC is now deemed illegal by the SEC. Are they going to win that case? Ultimately, they're going to win. Uh, they Right now, they have a motion to dismiss. And normally at this stage, a motion to dismiss, as a lawyer, I would tell you, has a 5% chance at best. I put Coinbase's up near the 40% range, which is big for a motion to dismiss. But ultimately, they're going to win. The question is, do they win at the district court level? Do they win at the Second Circuit? Everyone agrees that if it gets to the Supreme Court, the current makeup of the Supreme Court, they're going to vote major questions. Well, against or those guys won't even go to the Supreme Court with something like this because they know they should be embarrassed by the court. The, the thing is this, Anthony, you said you own Algo and, and, and I know you own Bitcoin, right? You're one of 55 million Americans that own this asset class. One out of four adults owns crypto. People in the United States want access to this asset class. And so what we're seeing right now is the control factor. So so interesting. It's, just, it's, a, it's a great quote, the 55 million. We now think it could be closer to 70 million because of the introduction of the of the. Of the of the ETFs. So interesting take there from uh, John E. Deaton, who's a sort of a lawyer. He's a lawyer and he sort of represents some crypto stuff and he's in, a blockchain enthusiast. But I, I think he has a great take here. Um, I think Coinbase is absolutely going to win. Doesn't make any sense what's going on. Uh, the SEC is simply just wasting tax, taxpayer money going against probably the best actor in the space. They're fighting back and they've got the goods and they've got the, the law on their side. And that's the consensus opinion, it seems. The SEC has been continually losing in court, sort of shaming the reputation of, of this once great agency that typically did not lose in court, right? But um, they're just sort of overstepping their authority at this point. And hopefully we will get a new chair of the SEC soon and we will get back to being America. Let's move on. thought this was cool. Um, Chainlink is a Oracle provider for different blockchains bringing, you know, sort of what Oracle essentially is, is it takes this this data that's off the blockchain, right? Because blockchain is really good at, at sort of uh, numbers and, you know, storing and keeping track of things. But what it's not so great at is getting real-time data from outside the, from outside the blockchain, right? Uh, what's happening in the world, you know, is, is something true or false, right? So this off-chain data needs to be brought on chain. How does that happen? Well, you use something called an Oracle, right? An Oracle is this idea that it's not just, you know, kind of one source of data in the sense that like, you know, if I want to know the price of something, I just go to one, I just go to like coingecko.com and get that information from them, right? I just trust that one. Like they could have an error in their data feed that gives a false reading for the price. And if they bring that on chain, it could cause a smart contract to malfunction and, you know, a lot of certain things to happen, right? So what you want is you want a consensus of multiple data streams, right? You don't want to just get one data stream. So you want to have this Oracle this Oracle network that grabs a hundred different data streams on the price of an asset, right? Where if like 99 of them are correct and one is wrong, that one wrong one won't, won't be the consensus. It will be trumped by all of the, the, uh, all the other data streams that are giving the correct information, right? So this really prevents problems that could occur from this stuff, this type of thing, right? Because you could have smart contracts about, you know, who won the Super Bowl, right? And if you're just trusting one data source and that data source lies, it will cause this this sort of effect. If there's a if there's a smart contract that pays out the winner on the blockchain, you know, and you give the wrong data, it, it could it will pay out the it'll pay out to the wrong individuals, right? To solve this problem, you have this idea of an oracle where you sort of have this network of decentralized data providers that you take the consensus of all of the participants. And if 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 you provide good data, you are rewarded for providing that good data, right? So um, the significance of this tweet is that a lot of times these updates of data to, you know, would be 
slower than, you know, sub second, right? So here you're getting sub second data updates about price, right? And this, what this allows is um, it allows this idea of more efficient decentralized finance, um, con conflict of interest free. So, you know, there's no like sort of front running and things that can occur. There's a lot less of that because these things are happening in microseconds. I can also use that tool, that little perplexity extension tool here. I can say, I can go to this page and say, give me three bullet points summarizing the implications of this tweet. And then it'll use GPT-4 through perplexity to sort of quickly say, okay, here, here are the three bullet points of, of sort of what's going on here. It says, enhance speed and efficiency. The tweet suggests that Chainlink data streams are enabling low latency decentralized finance with sub-second update speeds, which could significantly improve the performance and responsiveness of DeFi applications. Comprehensive and trustworthy data. It indicates that Chainlink provides full market coverage with decentralized consensus, which implies that the data is sourced from a wide range of providers and verified through a decentralized process, enhancing the reliability of the information used in DeFi platforms. Remember what we just kind of discussed is that you don't want to get your data from just one source, right? You want to have a hundred different sources, all providing data. That way, if five of them are wrong or two of them are wrong, you know, it doesn't cause a catastrophic smart contract error, right? Um, you have to be able to trust that data. And the best data comes from multiple decentralized sources, where in the same way that Bitcoin miners are rewarded uh, for, for providing good transaction data and putting that block together and not trying to cheat the system, the same thing comes with data, right? So if you have 100 Chainlink oracles providing this data and 99 out of 100 are, are telling the truth, they will be rewarded. And that one that is providing bad data will, will be slashed or punished. So back to perplexity with our final bullet point, security and integrity features. The mention of front-running protection and conflict of interest-free automated on-chain delivery points to advanced security measures and automation that protects users from potential exploitive practices and ensure that the data handling is unbiased and transparent. So the quicker you can get you know, real-time data to a contract, uh, the harder it's going to be to front-run that contract. If you've got 10 seconds to front-run a contract, it's much easier to come up with a, an automated plan here and front-run and sandwich attack and do some of this high-frequency trading stuff. But if you're getting stuff instantaneous, if you're getting this data instantaneously, from these different oracles, it's going to really cut down on that to a, to a large extent. Let's move on. Justin, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen asked Congress to regulate crypto assets that are not securities. I thought this was really interesting. She has her little speech here. And of the spot market for crypto assets that are not securities. Crypto assets that are not securities, she specifically mentions here. So it, it seems like that the... Uh, the swamp can't really get all their stories straight, right? Mr. Uh, Gary Gensler seems to think that everything is a security, and she's now claiming that not everything is a security, right? There, crypto assets that are not securities, right? So there's really a, a huge lack of clarity here. I don't, I don't know what's going on. It sounds like you know, if you can listen to this 50 sec second clip, it's like she has no clue what she's even talking about. Um, you know, it's very scary to let some of these people who just they're just babbling on like they haven't even taken the time to really fully understand what they're even talking about. I also saw this here. Uh, new Bitcoin magazine and high digital tech announced the FUD Fighters educational initiative to push back against Bitcoin misinformation. The partnership will combat biased anti-BTC reporting with data-driven objective journalism. Love to see this. The FUD Fighters. I think that's really cool. Let's go to our next story here. Uh, this made me laugh. My uh, buddy Greg here had some <laughs> funny stuff to say to Mr. Uh, Schiff here. Uh, this gave me a good laugh. I'm going to play it for you guys. I am so... I am so sure that Bitcoin is going to crash that I don't own any of it. And you've done horribly. None you've been it. a horrible risk manager so, up until now. 
Well, I don't care. I, you have to. That's care. your fiduciary Look. responsibility is to be a good no, risk not. manager. I, 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 yes, it is, sir. As a yeah, money yeah. manager, There's it's no, your fiduciary I, I, responsibility to be a good risk manager. And you've done a horrible... No, any, any, fiduci any, any fiduciary who gets involved with cryptocurrencies is going to get sued when they crash. This makes me laugh. Gotta love, gotta love Greg. He's a, he's a, he's a blessing to have in our space. He's quite the character. Thought this was cool. Print books, not money. Bitcoin. <laughs> All right. And finally, please don't lecture us about Bitcoin financial risk. If you are 33 trillion in debt with no plan to play it off. And I am just going to let you guys watch this little thought provoking video underneath here. Then I will let you go. You simply flooded the system with money. Yes, we did. So to lend to a bank, we simply use the computer to mark up the uh, size of the account that they have with the Fed. So it's much more akin, uh, although not exactly the same, but it's much more akin to printing money than it is to borrowing. You've been printing money. Well, effectively. Where does it come from? Do you just print it? We print it digitally. So we, you know, we as a central bank, we have the ability to create money. Uh, digital flooding the system with money. Yes, exactly. And there's no end to your ability to do that. There is no end to our ability to do that. Look at those crazy eyes. Cool little ad from Walker here with the Bitcoin Podcast.net. I like that. And I'll let you guys out on that note. Stay safe, stay blessed, never stop learning, and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening.